Okay, what I'm gonna do now is go through the articulation guide for unit six and pull out the themes and topics that have been in units one through five. So the word from the College Board is that your FRQs will be from unit one through five. However, if a term appears in unit one through five, and it is found in unit six, which is urban, and seven, which is development and industry, it is fair game for the test. So what I'm gonna do is go through the articulation guide for unit six right now. Um, unit seven is gonna take a little bit longer uh, because unit seven is about development and we've been focusing the whole entire year on that. But for unit six, what I'm gonna do is go through the articulation guide and tell you in like 6.1, this is a term that has been used throughout the whole entire year and is fair game for the test. So if you look at 6.1, um, it says explain the processes that initiate and drive urbanization and suburbanization. Um, but if you look at the essential knowledge, um, you have site and situation factors, again, that influence the growth of cities and the function of cities. We saw site and situation in unit one when it came to place and region. We saw site and situation factors in unit two when it came to reasons why people migrate. And we saw site and situation factors in the political unit as well as the agricultural unit. So just to refresh, site factors include landforms, climate, vegetation, availability of water, soil quality, minerals, and wildlife. Um, so like with soil quality, that's why you saw it in the agricultural unit. Um, availability of water, same thing, climate, vegetation, landform, sounds a lot like site factors for agricultural um, production or the growth of civilizations. Um, we also saw it with like resources in the political unit, why certain countries develop and why certain countries don't. Um, but you won't get site and situational factors in terms of like urban areas and why certain cities grow. Um, think about um, an image. Well, you actually could see this with a stimulus question. You could see the, the cities, the urban hierarchy. You could go from like a megalopolis all the way down to a meta city and a mega city. And you could see patterns and they're based on site and situation factors. Um, remember, meta city is a brand new term this year and it's over 30 million people. But site factors include usually at that absolute location, and that's a key word, um, at that immediate area. Usually site factors are physical features. Um, technically, you can include labor in it, like the characteristics of your labor force, but usually on an AP exam, um, they are going to use physical features. Um, mountains, harbors, they love to use harbors uh, for it, um, but those are all site factors. Situation factors tend to be relative, and you look for that keyword. It's a location of a place relative to other places. Um, it's look for that keyword relative. So you'll see like proximity, close to, um, they are close to this other city. Um, it relates to its surrounding features. It can be both human-made and natural to the environment. So for a situational factor, you're looking for the word relative in close proximity to. 
um, in relationship to. And if you were to get an FRQ about that, um, you would say those key words. So sight is immediate, usually physical, something that is not man-made. Um, so elevation, soil, climate, harbors, whereas situational is relative to. Um, I use the example in class about turning in homework. If you were to come up to me and say, hey, I didn't do the homework, that's point blank. Um, you're not giving me any extra information. You're just telling me physically at that moment, I don't have the homework. And then what most of you do is go see what happened was, and that becomes the situational factors. See what happened was my grandma was in the hospital. It's a situational factor. Um, I lost internet. It's a situational factor. So kind of think of it in terms of that way. That sight is immediate and situation is everything in relationship to it. Um, I talked about the example of Chapin High School if they were to build a Chick-fil-A across the street. If you are at the if you're the construction worker, you say, hey boss, I'm at the site. Here's what's at the site. We have even like the, the elevation of the land is great. Soil is easy. It's not clay. So it allows us to dig deep into the, to this. I'm, I'm trying to come up with ideas here, but you're describing the immediate, the physical features of the construction site of Chick-fil-A. And then you tell your boss, hey, this would make a really good site because it's close to the 20. It's a situational factor. There's a high school down the street, situational factor. Um, you could say that uh, Chapin is growing, situational factor. We use the example of radiator springs in cars um, where we talked about the actual site and I showed you that video part of cars where you talk about the site of radiator springs. And then when they build the highway, that's a situational factor that causes the actual site of radiator springs to lose its dominance. Um, so please make sure you know site and situation. Um, I would almost guarantee it if it was a multiple choice question, there's, it's gonna be on the exam every year because half the kids pick site and half the kids pick situational because they mix it up. So please make sure you just remember that if you look at the other part, I think this is important because it's going to sound very familiar. Changes in transportation, communication, uh, there's population growth, unit two, migration, unit two, economic development and government policies, unit four, influence urbanization. And we saw that same kind of indicator with political, uh, economic, um, agriculture, that when you look at why people do the things that they do, and you look at the where and the why, the two essential questions in geography, they are not just influenced by one thing. There are multiple factors, transportation, communication, population growth, development, government, they all influence everything going on. So although this is the focus on urbanization, remember government influences agricultural practices, government influences migration patterns, right? With quotas, with visas, with green cards. Um, we could talk about transportation and communication impact population growth, certain areas of development, um, new factories or industries that move into an area. So again, I think 6.1, the theme is there with the term site and situation. Okay, we're gonna go into 6.2. And what I've been doing, oh, I got my 
papers all messed up. Sorry. Um, what I've been going through is trying to see if there's anything in there that would jump out for me. Um, I think you're good with 6.8.3. Um, the only thing, if you look at 6.8.3, is you're seeing the terms periphery and semi-periphery. Uh, remember, this is part of the dependency theory. This is a way that we can, at a global scale, organize our world. We have the core countries, which are the more developed countries. The semi-periphery are the second world. They are the NICs, the BRICs, the Tigers. And then the periphery is usually the third world countries, the developing countries, the LDCs. They are traditionally in primary activities. So if you look, um, they said with urban areas, you're going to see a, a distinct divide in the world. Um, and we did this in agriculture. We saw a distinct divide in the world when it came to the core, the semi, the periphery. We saw um, with population and migration, we saw a distinct divide between the core, the semi, and the periphery. So again, you need to know dependency theory. You need to have understanding of Wallerstein. Remember, they're kind of the same. Uh, dependency and Wallerstein, they're, they're kind of the same. Uh, the fact that Wallerstein is a dependency theory. Um, so Wallerstein, you had the core, the semi, the periphery. This is the idea that there's a relationship between all of these countries when it comes to industrial development. But a dependency theory is basically the core countries depend on the periphery for labor and raw materials, while the periphery depends on the core for goods. Um, part of this was based on colonization. As a periphery country were colonized, their subsistent food production was replaced by cash crops and the labor for the core countries to develop goods. So over time, they become dependent on the core countries for food and consumer goods. Remember, Wallerstein is the world systems theory, and it's technically a dependency theory. Um, if you look at 6.8.4, I think we're good. The only thing I see there is new land use forms. Um, or patterns, and we saw that in agriculture. Um, we saw that with uh, cluster dispersed linear, uh, the survey methods. Um, but the other thing you could say here is the idea of uh, the cultural landscape, our built environment. Um, we are taking land and we are using land for the suburbs, for sprawl. It's given us clues about our culture. What's important to us? How do we want to live? How do we use our, our spare time, our free time? Remember in agriculture, we learned that people are going out to eat more instead of preparing food for themselves. Well, if you talk about land use patterns and land use forms, we see more restaurants, we see more coffee shops, we see um, right now because of improvements in transportation communication, um, and shopping online, that some stores are actually switching to an online model and we're seeing less and less malls. We're seeing less and less stores. Um, so I think for 6.8.4, it's really part of our culture. It's part of our land use. It's part of our built environment, our cultural landscape. It's given us clues about what's important to us. Although they are using things like edge cities and boom burbs and, you know, the suburbs, we're seeing those key words throughout the year. If you look at 6.3, there's globalization. And I, you need to know globalization, I think, for the FRQs because that has been an overarching theme throughout the whole entire year. 
that we are completely connected. Um, And you could kind of say again with dependency theory, improvements in transportation, communication, technology, we are more connected than ever before. And that has been something we said in every single unit. And just kind of to back this up, there is an urban hierarchy, right? So we know that we have world cities um, and New York, London, those are the two best examples of a world world series, um, world cities. We also know that we have um, meta cities, which are cities now that are 30 more uh, million people. We have mega cities. I don't think they would go specifically into the whole idea of, okay, list the order because that would be unit six, but understand that when it comes to uh, six point B point one, this could be tied to diffusion. So like the hierarchical diffusion could be relocation diffusion when it comes to like maybe Ravenstein's laws of migration, could be something related to transnational corporation could be related back to something with like transportation infrastructure, the location of businesses. Um, I think it could lead to something like that. Um, And then it says cities are connected globally by networks um, and they all mediate global processes. And we could actually add political to that as well. If you look at 6.4, I think you dodged a bullet here with Kristaller's central place theory. And again, teachers are happy that it won't be on there because Kristaller was really only in unit six. Um, However, if you notice, gravity model. We talked about gravity model in unit one. It was the first model introduced to you, and we talked about it in unit two. So the gravity model states, the movement of people between two places is based on factors of population, size, and distance. For example, a big city like Chicago is likely to attract commuters from a very large radius because of its size, but the farther away you get, the more likely people are to travel to other cities such as St. Louis. So the closer you are to something, the bigger the city, the more gravitational pull. If you're farther away, less gravitational pull. If the city is or town is smaller, less population, less gravitational pull. All right, so we talked about in our class the idea that we have a gravitation, Chapin has a gravitational pull to Columbia. And then we have two big cities near us. We have Charlotte and Atlanta, and there's that gravitational pull, but we gotta look at distance and we gotta look at population. Uh, 6.5, I think you are absolutely good here, except if you look at the essential knowledge for 6.D.1, you have the bid rent theory. Um, I, you will not get questions on Burgess, Harrison Ullman. Um, possibly you may see something with like the Southeast Asian or the African model uh, because it's a uh, with the African model, a legacy of colonialism. So maybe something about toponyms, built environment, um, the idea that you have the colonial CBD, um, the influence with like the grid and like the place names. Maybe for the Southeast Asian model, you see something about like the export processing zone, um, how they are becoming the semi-periphery. They are becoming important in manufacturing and industrial and making goods, cheap labor, Uh, less regulation, maybe. Um, I'm not very confident in that, but that's something you could think about with the African model and the Southeast Asian model. 
But again, I'm going to go back to the bid rent theory. We talked about it in Von Thunen. The closer you are to the center of the city or the market, the more expensive the land is. So that is directly related to Von Thunen. So if you were to get a question about Von Thunen, somewhere on your paper, you should have bid rent theory. If you look at 6.6, there's density. And I think um, we talked about density with unit two and with agriculture and with carrying capacity, but this is in terms of residential and cities. So I don't think you need to be too concerned with 6.6, but understand that we have technology capabilities, uh, the way that we're using our environment, our space, carrying capacity, cycles of development, we're building up, we use this with like burial plots and the culture unit. So density does impact land use. 6.7 is infrastructure. Um, You need to know infrastructure. So here's the definition. It's the fundamental facilities and systems serving a country, city, or other areas. So this could be at a global level, like our infrastructure for airplanes and like the hubs and major airports all around the world. Or you could look at it from a local level, like the idea of services, facilities, could be um, Wi-Fi, plumbing, electricity, telephone lines. It is the most important part when it comes to globalization. Do we have the infrastructure to support it? Do we have the infrastructure infrastructure to support development, businesses? Uh, with this one, it has to do with residential development. Um, but if you have residential development, you have economic development and you have social development. Um, so if you get a question about development and you're stuck, Um, or something about globalization, make sure you emphasize about infrastructure. And remember, in the political unit, we talked about how important infrastructure is with like like a devolutionary force, possibly Um, being able to be connected and the different types of shapes, like the state morphology, where if you're an elongated state, you have to have really, really good infrastructure for that state. So infrastructure throughout the whole entire year, know that keyword. Look at 6.8. There's that keyword, sustainability. Now, this is based on urban. So you see things like um, walkability. You see like the green belts, new urbanism, slow growth cities. Those terms will not be on the AP exam. However, sustainability will be. So that's something we have done the whole entire year could be with population growth. Is it sustainable? Food production, is it sustainable? Overusing the land, sustainable. We talked uh, earlier about, you know, over irrigation, over grazing, over herding. Are are our agricultural practices sustainable? So although this is really focusing on urban, like segregation, housing availability, um, walkability, transportation, all of that kind of focusing on urban sustainability i would on my paper or on a cheat sheet for the ap exam and you're not going to have a lot of time to do this but i would write down every time sustainability was in that articulation guide so sustainability is can you continue doing what you are doing without any future harm down the road 
that's a that's a really good definition for sustainability for APGO. And I'm actually going onto the College Board site right now uh, to make sure there's nothing else different with the with the definition. But okay, so here's what the College Board says: the ability to meet the hum- the human or the current needs without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. So really, can you continue to do what you are doing without causing harm or um, without compromising future generation? So population, right? Uh, so we saw sustainability issues in population. We saw sustainability issues in with migration, certain areas that are growing, certain areas that are not growing. We saw sustainability with resources, non-renewable, renewable. We saw sustainability with agricultural practices. Is it sustainable? Is it not sustainable? Um, please, 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 sustainability, I think, has a very, very, very good chance. The only thing I'm worried about sustainability is how would they ask it with um, with with like the stimulus because we know frq1 is going to have two i'm sorry and frq2 is going to have one so i'm kind of curious how they could they could throw that in there for 6.9 you see the word data qualitative data quantitative data um i think this has a good shot is how they present the information to you in an frq Um, remember quantitative data is numbers Qualitative data uses your census. Um, If you look at quantitative data, there's the census. Um, So we saw the census data in the political unit. Remember when we talked about reapportionment, redistricting, uh, and it leads to possibly gerrymandering. So they use the census data for that. Uh, We take a population count to see whether or not we need to hire more teachers, if we need more elementary schools. Um, So again, although this is focused on the urban area, we talked about the census data from unit one. We talked about it in terms of the culture unit, identifying race, ethnicity, gender. Um, So I think you have a better shot of seeing quantitative data over qualitative data. However, if you look at the bottom, there's a good definition for qualitative data. It's collected from field studies and narratives, and they provide information about individual attitudes. The only thing that's different there is that it says urban change. So we could talk about this in terms of government or political change, migration change, development change. Um, They're just switching out the words to meet the unit that they're focusing on. Challenges of urban. Um, I think we're pretty good with 6.a.1 because those are specifically relating to problems in the urban area. A.2 squatter settlements really in the urban area. The only thing I could possibly see any type of connection with is the fact that it's your built landscape, your cultural landscape. Maybe that's a stretch. But remember, if you have squatter settlements, that's part of your built landscape. Responses to economic and social challenges include zoning and local food movements. So there's one link to the agricultural unit is the local food movement. I use Soda City as an example. I think we're good with 6.8.4. And then if you look at 6.8.5, government. So I think right now what's happening with our government is a really good example of how this impacts the urban. So we have the federal government going on with the coronavirus. President Trump is saying what we can and cannot do and what's going on. 
but then you have the state government saying what you can and cannot do. Then you have local governments saying what you can and cannot do. Then you also have like neighborhoods, HOA, um, certain rules that you have to abide by by that. Or like think about the the school districts. Certain school districts are doing certain things when it comes to e-learning and certain school districts are not. So again, I think that this could be something with, um, you know, the transfer of power almost. Uh, maybe you could talk about federal states. Um, if you think about a state like a unitary state during the coronavirus, they just completely shut everything down. Um, the whole entire country shut down. There's like Japan, they shut everything down. There was no local kind of autonomy with it. However, when it came to our country, our federal state, certain states are opening things back up. Certain states still have school or they are trying to go back to school. So I think right there, you have state, country, city, neighborhood levels all present challenges in addressing urban issues. Maybe then with the urban issues, you switch that out. You switch that out to maybe population issues. You switch it out to political issues. You switch it out to growth issues or something along that line or development issues. So again, there is another part where you, you actually see the word fragmentation. And remember, eventually devolution can lead to the fragmentation of states. Um, dispersed between state, county, city, and neighborhood. So there's the transfer of power. So kind of keep that in mind. It sounds a lot like the political unit. And there's that word again for 611, sustainability. Okay, but this is again focused on sustainability for urban. But if you notice, it gives you kind of some key words here. Climate change, water quality, ecological footprint, energy use, um, regional planning efforts, um, you won't see something like brownfields or urban growth boundaries, but you could see something with farmland prote uh, protection policies. We talked about earlier in the uh, agricultural unit about setting aside land for farmland. We're running out of space. Nobody wants to say, hey, I'm going to buy 20, you know, 20 acres and build a farm. Maybe the government needs to set aside land devoted to farming practices, sustainability. So we've used the word sustainability a couple of times in the urban unit. So that should be something that you're focusing on. Um, the next one's going to be a little bit longer because it's industry and there's going to be a lot for us to cover there.